Down and stall to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. Hi, Red Sox fans. Red Sox beat CLNS Media, of course, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for all of your New England sports on Twitter at CLNS Media. Facebook, same thing. Of course, we're on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, Red Sox beat podcast uh, on iTunes. Go subscribe to us as always because, you know, we love the more subscriptions, the better. Bring us to the top of the baseball world here, at least in New England. That'd be fantastic. Um, Lauren, Jess, the whole gang's back together. Um, what's going on, guys? A great week of uh, baseball. I'm so excited to talk about it. So. Lauren, you were right, too. You predicted the I week was right. right. I think in Red Sox beat history since I've been on the show, I predicted a week correctly. So I'm definitely going to like toot my own horn on this one for most of the show. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't wrong because I didn't predict. So it's got to be worth something, <laughs> right? Jess gets an asterisk. Don't take away my Sunday. He'll try to. He's going to try to. He, he hates right. being wrong. I wish I didn't miss the six. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to the recap later. We'll get to all the Red Sox stuff later. But we've got a special guest on this week's show. Some of you might have seen the tweets. Uh, Trendy Kuznarek, who's been on before with us of Comcast Sportsnet, WEI, all over Boston, uh, joins us now. What's going on, Trendy? Not much, guys. Just uh, you know, I was going to say relishing in another Sox win, but that's not the case. After no, today's did not happen. Cleveland. Did not happen. <laughs> Uh, but can't blame them. They've been winning a lot lately. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it does happen every once in a while. And Cleveland's not a with bad team. Fist, with the fist on the mound, it might happen. Yeah, seriously. Uh, the one wild card at this point. Um, you, thank you for that great segue, though, Trenny, because I did want to ask you about the rotation. And, you know, they've been pretty solid. And, and honestly, Doug Fister had a couple good starts before this one. Um, David Price hasn't been in the picture, is on the disabled list. Does this team actually need David Price to make a push in the playoffs? Because right now it seems like they're doing pretty well without him. Yeah, I I still think they do because I just I still feel like that back end of the rotation. I mean, let's be honest, we have no idea what we're gonna get. Doug Fister just take out of the take out of the equation, right? I mean, he's not even gonna be part of your postseason rotation. He'll he'll be put back in the bullpen. Eduardo Rodriguez has looked really good lately, um, but I'm trying to think of what year of postseason experience, and that's it. I think he pitched one game last year in the postseason. Rick Porcello, a loss last year in the postseason. Chris Sale has never pitched in the postseason. So I don't know how comfortable. I mean, obviously, Chris Sale, you just sort of pencil him in for a, for a win. But you never know if he's going up against, let's say they play the Indians, and it's Corey Kluber. And this offense can't muster any runs against Corey Kluber. You just may get some tough luck if you can't produce any runs. And Kluber and Sale may go, you know, nose to nose. And it just might be, let's say that you know Cleveland's bullpen comes out on there's always ways I think that like you know he may pitch brilliantly but he might not get the win right do you have faith in David Price though do you have faith in David Price I don't know I mean I don't know but do you have faith in Drew Pomeranz like I guess right now if if you were going to line up three guys you would go right now as is um with David Price you would go sale price Pomeranz right 
So if you take Price out of the equation, even though I know he's 0-9 or whatever as a starter in the postseason, he still is talent-wise your second-best pitcher. So you take him out of the equation, and then you go Price, or excuse me, Sale, Pomeranz, and then I'm maybe Porcello because of his experience, but maybe you go, you see if Rodriguez is still pitching well, so maybe Rodriguez. Again, those are all those are such wild cards to me. I mean, they're all wild cards, but I think at least with David Price, you've got somebody who you know has dominant stuff. And Murphy's losses sooner or later, his luck breaks in the postseason. So yeah, I think they look a lot better with David Price in that postseason rotation. And don't you think too, like the next like month and a half of Porcello will probably kind of make a determination on if he's good for the postseason because if he pitches like last year for the next month then you, you could pencil right. him and him into you know yep yeah you could um again i just i guess i trust him he doesn't have overpowering stuff though so he's a guy okay he's a guy that might get you the only problem with in my estimation with a guy like rick porcello is even if he pitches well for you he's probably going to get you six Definitely six innings, most likely six innings, hopefully seven. Um, so then you only have eight and nine. But, I mean, again, the bullpen to me is good as it's been. Outside of Craig Kimbrell, who do you 100% when they step on the mound? Do you go, yep, lights out. I'm not worried at all when this guy steps to the mound. Silence. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> totally complete silence. Craig Kimbrell? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Craig Kimbrell and Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell. <laughs> hopefully addison reed <laughs> yeah seriously yeah right right if, if you know john farrell doesn't give up on him again or try to pull him after one pitch against jacoby ellsbury like i mean the reality is the starting pitching is is the it is the steadiest part of this team um but there are still question marks about it in the postseason they have zero wins as starters um and i <laughs> I keep going back to, I mean, maybe this is it for Drew Pomeranz. I love, he seems like a really nice guy. So maybe he's finally hit a stride. Maybe he's sort of found, and maybe he's finally healthy. Maybe he's been able to put everything together that he started to do in San Diego in the first half of last year um, and put it together for a full season here. And maybe I shouldn't be as worried as I am about innings and fatigue and inexperience. And maybe Rick Porcello does find it again and puts together a great end of August and September. Um, maybe Eduardo Rodriguez does finally turn into that guy that everybody thought he might be when they brought him over from Baltimore in the Andrew Miller trade. But that's a whole lot of maybes. So to me, at the very least, you know, with David Price, I feel like even when he is lost, he's still pitched at times very, very well. Yeah, he absolutely has. And, uh, kind of switching gears here, somebody who we know will not be making an appearance in the playoffs is Pablo Sandoval. And, you know, he came out, as you know, he wrote that, the the letter to the fans saying, like, he never really felt at home in Boston and all of that. And um, and you said you had sympathy for him. So I kind of want you to uh, like elaborate on that because obviously a lot of fans here in Boston were happy to see him go. They were just ecstatic to get him out of here. And a lot of us, uh, you know, don't feel have or don't have any sympathy for him. Yeah, I guess I look at it from a different, a little bit different of a perspective. And this is probably because I moved around a lot um, in my career. So I understand I maybe better, like Gary and I were talking about this on the show today. Listen, I don't feel sympathy for him in the terms of, you know, him coming here and eating himself, like, <laughs> do a, literally a belt buster. 
I don't feel like, oh, you know, that that's an excuse for why he didn't play well. But I don't know. I, I, I guess for me, if a guy can admit and say, listen, it just wasn't I, it just wasn't a place for me that I ever felt really comfortable. And I was really struggling from the time that I got there. I give people credit for that because he could have easily just said, you know, Boston was too hard and the fans were harsh. And it was a hard place to play. But he just kind of took it on himself. He didn't blame it on anyone else. And I do know, like, you know, not every place that I've worked has been an easy place to work. There have been jobs that I've had that one in particular that I just was really miserable the entire time. And I should have been thrilled to be there. I should have been so happy. It should have been all these, you know, should, should, shoulds, as therapists would say, you're (laughs) shooting all over yourself. (laughs) You know, it should have been this amazing time. And I was making great money and living in a great city, but it just wasn't a good fit for me. Um, now, I think I still did better at that position than um, Pablo Sandoval did <laughs> for the Red Sox. And I certainly wasn't paid anywhere near $95 million. But I also feel like we get caught up on these numbers. And again, listen, I mean, I- I'm a little different because I-, I-, I, I-, I don't live and die with the Red Sox. You know, I mean... I- I don't really, there's not many teams I live and die with anymore. And I, and being in this industry for as long as I have has sort of changed my perspective on things. But like, listen, industry standard, that's what he was paid. You know, nobody forced the Red Sox to pay the guy, to offer the guy five years, $95 million and to waive the weight clause. San, Diego, or excuse me, San Francisco gave him the exact same contract, but had the weight clause in there. It, you know, it's like there's always this blame put on the player. Well, how about the people who scouted him? How about the people who decided, yeah, this guy who, let's be honest, has been overweight his entire career. Oh, he'll come here and he'll be different. So let's not put this weight clause in here. That's the way that we get him here. Well, that's on you also. So I guess I, I, that's, I guess why I felt sympathy for him because I can understand what it's like to be somewhere and not really like love where you are and love the city that you're living in. And I, trust me. Boston is not the city I'm referencing. I've been in five <laughs> years. I plan on staying a lot longer. I love it here. Um, but I get I get where he was coming from. And I think that's where the like that sympathy or the empathy or, you know, whatever word you want to use comes from. Catering to the right audience, that's for sure, by saying that. <laughs> One quick question. Do you think that he flourishes going back to San Francisco? Do you think he keeps the weight off? Or what do you think happens now that he's back where he started? I don't know if he- flourishes um I, I i bet though he sort of reverts to the mean right like he's not gonna maybe be as good as he was three years ago or two years ago or whatever it was in in the world series i guess three years ago now um in the world series but i also don't think he's going to be as bad as he was in boston because he is somewhere where he's more comfortable um, and also maybe just that sometimes to a quick change of scenery can change somebody look at Eduardo Nunez. Like, does anybody, as psyched as I am for Eduardo Nunez, and as great as I think it is, I love watching him play. He has this he has this infectious smile, and I think he's brought this great personality to the Red Sox, and he's really invigorated the team. Does anybody really think that he's going to be hitting, like, 380 for the rest of his career just because he left <laughs> San Francisco and came to Boston? Well, of course not. It, you know, it's everything's going to average out in time, and I think it'll average out for Pablo as well. Yeah, I mean, Boston's not for everyone, and... Uh... It's a him, hard really. place to. It's a hard place to play. I mean, look at David Price, and I guess too that's part of maybe why I was so sympathetic to Pablo Sandoval is because Pablo, when he was here, the very you know I, I guess at the very least, like what can you point to other than him just being 
overweight and stinking at his job. <laughs> what can you point to, though, as a what can you point to on the same level as the discontent that a Carl Crawford showed or a David Price at times has shown? Or even I would go back to a time like a John Lackey or a Josh Beckett when they were so like miserable being here and they lashed out at media and they lashed out at, you know, at fans at times. And this isn't your business. And what I'm doing is none of your business. And I can do whatever I want on my off days and screw it. You know, there were all these things. You never had that from Pablo. Um, and, and so I guess, I guess, especially because of everything that's happened with David Price this year, I'm like, well, it's not like he cussed out a legend on a plane because he wasn't <laughs> doing well, you know, like, right. and maybe that's a really low bar to have for professional athletes. But it is what it is. It's a good bar for this team, at least. Seriously. <laughs> right? Um, so moving on to uh, someone who actually is flourishing in Boston, uh, kind of appropriate for the time right now, uh, especially after two more homers tonight. Rafael Devers is just ripping this league up right now in a couple weeks. Uh, obviously, I'm sure, like you said with Nunez, you're not going to expect two home runs every game for the rest of his career hitting 400 but i mean the guy's 20 years old and he's made a huge impact in a short time i guess just what are your thoughts on him over this i mean i think what what impresses me the most about rafael devers i mean listen all the scouts talked about what good how good of a hitter he is and uh lou merloni made this point today and you know he talked about the in at bat adjustments he can make um and he talked specifically about the aroldis the home run off of aroldis chapman that uh, the pitch before he hit the home run, I think Chapman threw a pitch by him that was like 101 or 102. It was high heat, though. And he didn't, you know, he, he's, I think it was a strike. I think he either swung and missed or took it looking. But whatever it was, he adjusted and was able to hit the next pitch out of the park and go opposite field on it. So the fact that he makes in great in-bat adjustments, I then asked Lou, I said, well, does that bode well for whatever kind of adjustments he's going to have to make down the line because at some point pitchers are going to start to figure out okay this is you know this is how we pitch this kid and Lou said listen at some point they're going to start pitching this kid inside if you're smart you pitch him inside because you kind of jam him so you know it'll be interesting to see the adjustments he can make but it seems like he's such a savant in terms of hitting and knowing like okay oh wow you threw me that this is what you might throw me next, and this is how I can approach it. He should be able to make the necessary adjustments to always be a pretty, you know, a good major league hitter. So that's impressive. But what's more impressive to me is the kid has not faded in big moments. Like, that was a huge moment on Sunday night. Imagine this. You're 20 years old. Like, I don't even remember what it was like to be 20. I certainly wasn't doing anything of any importance. <laughs> and you're at a packed house, Yankee Stadium. The game is tied. It's the ninth inning. If you lose the game, you know, you are what? They would have been three and a half only up on the Yankees instead yep. of five yep. and a half. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're, you're, I'm sure all those things aren't going in your through your head while you're standing in the batter's box against a guy who throws 100 miles an hour. But you're aware of it. And for him to have that moment not swallow him up, that to me is the, the, the thing I really took away from him is that this is a kid who can – can perform when it went on the biggest stage. And not only was it a big game, but you're talking Sunday night baseball, prime time, you know, top of the ninth, on the road, rowdy crowd, and he was like, ah, boom. Home Plus run. Chapman never <laughs> gives up home runs. No. Chapman, that was only the second time in Chapman's career he had allowed a home run to a left-handed hitter. I mean, Same. that is just, again, law of averages, it's probably going to happen again sooner or later, but 
should it happen to a 20-year-old who's got, what, 30 games, not even <laughs> in the big leagues? Probably not. So, to me, that speaks volumes. And he put the ball right back where it came from. It wasn't like he forced, pulled it. Like, he put it right back, no. right up the middle of the field, if not a little bit opposite field. And that, that was yeah. a shot. There was no question about that. Yeah, that wasn't exactly. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't pull it like that. I mean, amazing. So yeah. So what we want to you know talk about too is you know obviously the bullpen had questions moving forward with the situation they had. Um, you know, Joe Kelly got hurt. Certain things happened, but you know they brought in a guy in Addison Reed. The Red Sox did um, to be that sure fire eighth inning guy. And then the other night, our favorite manager in the world, John Farrell. Um, decides to yank him very quickly. And, you know, my question to you is about that situation. Does that affect Addison Reed moving forward? Because he was brought here to be that guy. And clearly John Farrell had a short leash with him when other nights he leaves Matt Barnes in to basically ruin the entire game and, and other situations. Um, <laughs> How do you, if, you, if you can tell, Trenny, I don't like John Farrell at all. Um, just do you think in that one possession, that one situation, did that ruin John Farrell's kind of confidence in Reed? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it uh, if it ruined Addison Reed. I, it, obviously, John Farrell, for whatever reason, doesn't. I mean, we, it, we, this has been the comparison that we've been bringing up since this happened. Actually, really since Friday, is Brad Ziegler. Yeah. Like, here's a guy who last year, same situation, traded for to come in, be your eighth inning guy. He goes out and he has one rough outing. I think it was against Oakland, maybe. Uh and he's like never to be heard from again. Like he was immediately in the doghouse. And this clearly has happened with Addison Reed. He goes out Friday night, gives up four earned runs in the eighth inning, um, and they lose the game. But I went through his game log today. That was the most earned runs he's given up all season in an outing. The most, the most, the, like, and the most by, by two earned runs. Prior to that, his highest earned run total in a single game was two runs. So this clearly, to me, that says, oh, this isn't a trend. This is an aberration. Like, oh, bad night? Probably going to happen. And what killed me the most about last night is Matt bleeping Barnes, <laughs> the inning before, loads the bases, gives up the you know what could have been the game-winning sack fly, but it was the sack fly that gave the Yankees the lead. It was the 2-1 lead, right, I think, if I'm remembering yep. correctly? Yep. I was also watching Game of Thrones, so sometimes things... <laughs> Most people won't blame you. Know, you. ...pushed together. <laughs> um, and, and he and, and he keeps him in there. He keeps him in there, loads the bases, he keeps him in, and allows him to face Todd Frazier with the bases loaded. Like, I, I, there's no rhyme or reason to why he favors certain guys or likes certain guys. Like, how could Addison Reed, in the short time that he's been here, have has, like lost how could Farrell have already lost faith in this guy and if I'm Dave Dombrowski I'm like uh hey dude uh, I didn't give up prospects for this guy and bring him into your eighth inning so that you can go in and uh not follow the rules and try to pull him after one pitch to Jacoby Ellsbury because it's a ball it, it just doesn't make any sense to me it just I don't get it you know again like we saw it again we saw it last year um for a long time early this year was Fernando Abad. Now, Fernando Abad obviously isn't the same caliber of a pitcher no. as a Ziggler or as a Reed. But, like, it, it just was like – or even Joe Kelly. Think about that, guys. Like, early in the year, he just never wanted to go to Joe Kelly. It was like, 
what is your I'm gonna use a total nineties phrase here, but like what is your damage? Why do you hate this guy so much? Love it. it doesn't make it it just makes no sense to me. Like it, it just there's no rhyme or reason. Like, did you like you know, tell a dirty joke he didn't like? Why all of a sudden, you know? It just it it it's just, you can tell. I'm with you guys, I'm not the biggest John Farrell fan. Yeah. Well, a lot I of people are I absolutely Lauren, love you love John Farrell? Why? I do. And I, Always has. Mind you. I, I have. But like, Why? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But, but no, but Sunday, I was like, I'm sitting there. I was like, what is going on? I was sitting there with my grandmother. My grandmother's the biggest John Farrell fan, too. And she looks at me. She's like, you know, I love this fan, but what in the hell is he doing? And I was like, I, I, I don't know, Graham. I <laughs> I still one day, Lauren, we're going to deep dive into why you really like John Farrell because therapy with Trinity Kazarek. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't like even even what. And maybe again, maybe it's because I mean, I, at that point, I was really like in, I was in the clubhouse a lot. But you never got the idea. I never got. I've never gotten the idea that the reason this team has won or the reason this team has come together is because they're like we're rallying behind John Farrell. We really trust what he's saying to us. Like. I just heard too many off the cop, off record types of mumblings of things where I, I just don't feel like his players really respect him. I mean, you saw it earlier in the year, too. You saw it earlier in the year. David Price go off the cuff. All these things happen. And it's not a coincidence. You know, their leader's gone. And if we've been saying it all year, David Ortiz is no longer in that clubhouse. Right. And look what happens. Yeah, manager John. I mean, you don't, <laughs> if you have respect for someone, you don't call them manager John. You just nope. don't. Um, so talking Trenny Kisnera, Comcast Sportsnet leads me to ask you, Trenny. I mean, I clearly know the answer, but like, do you have faith in all of John Farrell to get this team through a playoff series, make a real push? I mean, listen, this is a really talented team, so I think they can do it in spite of him. But do I think, do I trust that, you know, first round series matching wits with Terry Francona, tight game, eighth inning that he pushes the right buttons? No. Or that he doesn't give the guy this, uh, a signal, give Eduardo Nunez a signal to, you know, run on. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember the Indians outfield, and I can't right now. The first name that's coming to my head is Lonnie Chisholm Hall, and I think he's actually on the DL right now. But, you know, <laughs> like, are you going to, you know, test the arm? of? I, yeah. I just, I, I just don't trust that. I, I just don't trust that he's going to make the right call. I, I think he manages panicked a lot. Like, he's always, and, and I think part of that is that I think he gets that I, I think he knows deep down he doesn't really have the full support of Dave Dombrowski. I don't think Dombrowski, he, to, to me, Dombrowski's never given him a full vote of approval. And I and that's and that's kind of crappy on the part of Dombrowski, too. If you're going to keep this guy around, you need to really make him feel publicly, especially, that he's your guy and there's no need to worry. And I think sometimes he manages like he's managing for his job, which... I don't know that he's good in those kind of situations. If anything, I think the reason he was good in 2013 is because there was no, there is no question. Like, listen, I, after Bobby Valentine, how bad can things, I can <laughs> only be better. But after that, and when the expectations shot up, Farrell starts not looking so great. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I like him sometimes too, but I was I was questioning a lot from that game too, and I think it's I think it's unfair criticism just because it's obviously a difficult job managing the Red Sox. That's a hard job, but like 
some of the some of the decisions don't make sense. So that's for sure. So before I mean, we get it's you so out of here, wrong to ask like for competence. I mean, I just don't think that that's. I mean, if you're honestly, yeah. if you're gonna ask Pablo if you're going to get ticked off that Pablo Sandoval is like fat and not doing his job. I think you can hold the manager to the same standards. Amen. Yeah. Not to yeah. say that John Farrell is as bad as Pablo Sandoval, but you know what I mean. <laughs> comes, comes with the territory for sure. Um, so before you get you out of here so you can go to bed and get your run in tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I'm an old lady. I'm tired <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll let you leave in a minute here. But before we do, um, we just want to get your expectations for the team the rest of the season because, you know, you got a month and a half left there pretty darn good position at least record wise despite john farrell as we've said here so i mean what do you expect to happen the rest of the season where do they finish in the division do they run away with it does anything happen in the playoffs i think i think they definitely win the al east i just don't think i mean the yankees are just are just are key even though they made um the biggest moves at the deadline i mean with tanaka and cc sabathia on the disabled list aaron judge has cooled off considerably um, I just, I, I kind of think that they're playing from behind right now. Um, and they're not quite there yet. Um, so I, I don't think, I don't necessarily know if the Sox will run away with it, like, you know, 10, 12 games run away with it, but I think they'll win it fairly. I don't think it'll come down to like the last weekend or anything. I think what could come down to the last weekend though, is that he, series against Houston could be huge because that might be for home field advantage throughout the best mm-hmm. record in the American league. And I think mm-hmm. the Sox are talented enough to do it and certainly capable enough to do it. Even in, you know, even with John Farrell at the helm, um, <laughs> Where I start to, to, I guess, worry a little bit about what they're capable of doing is in the postseason. Um, and I wonder if in the postseason, if they have enough. I, I wonder mostly about their bullpen. Do they have a good enough bullpen to get them through um, a postseason? Like uh, through like two series and get them into the World Series. I'm going to say right now. I'm going to say they lose in the divisional round to Cleveland again. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, you mentioned the bullpen. Wow. Before, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you because we're hearing that Carson Smith's But that's Smith's just more gonna... wishful thinking, by the way, because <laughs> the divisional round and they have to fire John Farrell. And if they win and even make it to the ALCS, how the hell do you fire a manager who had the best, oh, yeah. say, let's say for argument's sake, had the best record in the ALCS <laughs> two, years, two years running? Or can't. Yeah. No, would have had the second best record, first and second best record, two years running, won their division, and went to the ALCS. That's a hard fire. <laughs> yeah, it really is. You can't do it. Um, I want to ask you about Carson Smith before we let you go because you mentioned the bullpen and its importance. Um, he's supposedly coming back early September, so can I'll he? Believe it when I see it. Can I know? But if he does, let's play this game. Let's play their game. If he comes back, how much of importance is he? Can he be a factor? coming into the playoffs situation i mean that's a hard that's honestly a hard question to answer because we haven't seen him pitch in what a year and a half yeah year and change so i mean if he comes back and he's the guy they thought he was sure that could be a huge boost right that guy if for some reason barnes is still struggling and reads you know head is all screwed up because Farrell didn't show any trust in him then yeah maybe carson smith comes back and he becomes an Andrew Miller type guy that you, you know you can use him in any situation, and he's he's healthy and his arm is fresh and he hasn't thrown it all. But I mean, God, it's that is such a crapshoot because it's been so long since he's pitched in a major league game, and he's so injury prone, and he's had so many setbacks that you wonder where his head is going to be at when he finally returns to the mound. Right. I have one. I have one oh. quick playoff question for you, just to end it here. Um, 
Say say it's Red Sox versus Astros in the ALCS. Just say that happens. Forget your prediction. Okay. Um, you have Chris Sale, best pitcher in the league, and say you pitch him three times. Say it goes to seven games. You pitch him in one, four, and seven. Okay. Don't you, think, don't you think the Sox win that series? Is Chris Sale enough to beat the Astros? I think he is personally. Yeah, I, I'm not. You? I'm not. I'm never like the biggest. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe it's the <laughs> Astros, and I watch them flounder in the National League for so long. I, you know, Jose Altuve obviously is probably the the closest guy I, I would say to Chris Sale for being worthy of the MVP in the American League this year. Um, I don't know. I just I. To me, teams that score a ton of runs, but I don't know what their team ERA is. The Astros, I don't know enough. I'm going to be honest. I don't know quite enough about the Astros. But I don't, if memory serves me correctly, starting pitching. Oh, I only have 10% battery left. Um, <laughs> starting pitching. That's like a really sad uh, alert, by the way. On my phone, I was like, doo-doo-doo. Um, <laughs> from what I remember, starting pitching was something that they were looking at at the deadline and something that they were concerned with. And that, to me, is what wins. That's what wins postseason is your pitching. And, and again, I, I'm totally talking out of turn because I don't have any numbers in front of me. And I don't know exactly what their ER, ERA is or where they rank in terms of starters and bullpen. But from if I'm if I'm you know remembering everything correctly, I feel like they're known more as a really offensive team, not a pitching heavy team. Correct me if I'm wrong. Please. No, I think you're I'm right. wrong all the Pretty time. Sure right. so. <laughs> um, I'm all quickly right. trying to check at the moment. <laughs> so <laughs> if note, we can get past the Indians, then we're going to the World, World Series. Series. Okay. According to yeah, if we get past <laughs> Cleveland and Tito, we're going to the World Series. Great. Um, all right. On that note, Trenny will let you go because your phone is apparently dying. So, um, <laughs> Trenny, we appreciate you joining us. Um, go get some rest. Enjoy your run in the morning, apparently, um, and appreciate the time. Five-mile tempo run, everybody, and a Pilates <laughs> class. <laughs> Never stops. Oh, no. <laughs> Trini, we appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks, Trini. Thanks, Trini. Take care. Uh, never, never, a, never a dull moment when Trini joins us. Um, so while Jess looks that up to try to prove her right, Trini was brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek Ticketing App, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Get a $20 rebate. You know the drill. On that first purchase by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone, just go to the settings tab. Add a promo code, Garden Report, all one word. You'll get that $20 rebate. Curse you have our good friends at SeatGeek. Tell us, of course, and tell them who sent you, of course, us here at CLNS Media. Um, Jess, do you have a stat to prove her right or wrong? I do. Uh, do we want Major Leagues or AL? I guess for these purposes, AL, right? AL, AL. They have the sixth best ERA. Their ERA is 425 of the team. Sox are obviously first with 365, so they're pretty okay. much in the middle of the pack. So Okay. That's not great. No, it's not, not terrible, but it's, it's not. not it's great. not bad though. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, not, it's not great though. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> um, a lot of good stuff from Trini. Appreciate it again. Obviously, you know where to catch her by now. CSN, EEI, right? She's everywhere. So uh, definitely check her Early out. Edition. Early edition as well. Every day. Um, she hangs out with Gary Tangway and Mike Felger every day, so that must be a treat for her. Um, but you know, a lot happened this week, and, and we're gonna break it down here for you. We're not gonna forget the recap because. It was a pretty good week of baseball for this team. And look, despite all the stuff that we have going on, talking to Trenny, everything that's going on down the road, this week was a big week for the Red Sox and lived up to the test and, you know, went into New York. Obviously, you were going to take the Rays games. But, you know, Jess, they went into New York and, and kind of faced their demons and, and, and were successful this week. Yeah, I mean, because coming into the series, it was, well, the Red Sox have won three of nine games against the Yankees this year, and that's not good at nope. all. So, like you said... Demons exercise, but first 
the series against the uh, the Rays, and I, I mean, you guys called this on the, on the uh, the show that I missed last week. You both said, "Gotta win both these games against the Rays. Pick up those two games against them going to the Yankees series." Boy, you guys are right about that, and that's exactly what happened. And good thing because I mean, it was huge for the confidence of having a four in one week. So uh, the first game was Tuesday after a Monday off day. Um, two nothing final in this game. This game was really really weird. Because the Sox had two runs on 12 hits, and the Rays had zero runs on two hits. You can guess who pitched with that line. Obviously, Chris Sale. <laughs> uh, he pitched eight innings, two hits, one walk, 13 strikeouts. Unbelievable. On the other side, though, Austin Pruitt was pretty good, too. He gave up seven hits, which is not two, but only one run in six innings, and he had five strikeouts. Um, but the Sox just couldn't score runs off him when they had base runners, because obviously they had plenty with 12 hits and one walk. But uh, Devers got an RBI ground out, uh, fielder's choice in the fourth, and Bradley Jr. got a big insurance RBI single in the ninth inning. And that's it because, you know, I mean, sale was enough. And then Kimbrell struck out the side in the ninth inning. So you just get two runs on 12 hits off of uh, off of the Rays. And the, the, the combo of the two best pitchers in the league, pitch nine innings, two hits, and 16 strikeouts. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all you can ask for. These guys are unreal. You know, there's so much fun to watch, especially with Kimbrel just being so on point this season, and obviously Sale. He just, you know, every like Trenny said, every time he steps on the mound, he, he just pencils a win in right there. So in this game, it's funny because you know, JBJ really needed something, and the, that that insurance run was huge, and especially in the ninth and the late innings. You know, going up by one is so much different than going up by two because you know if you're up by one going into the bottom half of the ninth, the game's tied at one swing of the bat. So at least, you know, going up by two, there's that little insurance right there. So it was definitely good to see. And obviously for Sale, you know, like every week I just feel like you always say something about him and how dominant he is. So I'm just going to leave that part out because we already know. We are, <laughs> it's a spoken role. We already know. Look, and Lauren and I talked about it last week. This race team isn't good. Like, they're not. Like, they, they, they came and played kind of well and, and gave you a scare, but now they're not even close to being in the division. You kind of knocked them out of it, I think, even just with those two games. And, you know, Chris Sale against the Rays, you're going to win that matchup 10 out of 10 times, in my opinion. I mean, their record's all right. They're a little over 500, but, yeah, I mean, if you have... Because of that one little splurt the- they had, that's about it. They, they're not, like, right. over the... They haven't been consistent enough to really be considered. Right. I mean, no one no one in the lineup scares you except Longoria and Morrison. They're both having great seasons, but the rest of them rest of the names just aren't really cutting it and against someone like sale i mean no chance you know and sure enough and uh in this game on offense eduardo nunez kept whacking the balls he's been doing since he got here he had three more hits in this game xander bogarts also had three hits in this game which was encouraging because he has not been good and he's been a little overshadowed by uh some younger guys here um moves into wednesday's game this one had a little more offense than tuesday's game this was an eight to two final eight to two win over the rays again to sweep the two game series uh, and the offense was good in this game. Um, the Sox got a run in the third on an error by Oda Rizzi. Um, but then the real the real magic happened in the fifth inning where the Sox scored five runs. Mookie Betts had an RBI single. And then Andrew Benintendi scored in a wild pitch. And then Betts scored in a wild pitch. And then Sandy Leone got the big hit, the two RBI single, to make it 6 to nothing. And I should mention later on in this game, Leon scored in a wild pitch. So the Sox had three of their eight runs all on wild pitches and two of their runs on errors. So pretty sloppy game for the Rays. Um, for the Rays offense, Danny Echeverria hit a home run and then Brad Miller hit a home run off Rick Porcello. But 
and we should mention this because he's had plenty of games where he's given up a lot of runs to talk about. Porcello was filthy besides those two home runs. He gave up those two runs in that inning. That was it in six innings, four hits, two runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. He had an immaculate inning in the fifth where he struck out three guys on nine pitches, which is something that obviously doesn't happen very much in the league. So, I mean, for me, just taking advantage of, of poor play by the by the Rays and giving Porcello run support, which is something we hey, have not look seen. look at that. Yeah, that's, we haven't said that much this year, and they gave it to him, and he responded with a really good outing. Only through 82 pitches, there was really no need to do anything more. He got a second straight win to go to 6-14, and 14, and this is what you're looking for from the guy. I and mean, He's prone to the long ball he has been all season. He has been his whole career, so, I mean, that happens. But he pitched really well in this game, and that's the biggest takeaway in this game for me. Yeah, and it seems like every time his Achilles heel really is just the long ball, but you know, even last year when he won the Cy Young, he still had an issue giving up the long ball. That's kind of what his MO is. But this game, he took advantage of what? We talked about it, a bad lineup and the fact that he got some run support helped to the cause and you know those five runs, poor poor play by the Rays, but overall, you can't be mad at the guy for facing a bad lineup. He did what he needed to do. No, and it wouldn't be a Rick Porcello start if he didn't give up a home run. That just no. he, like said, yeah, it's his MO. It's what he does. But it, it's just, it's nice to see the Red Sox score runs. I don't care if it was sloppy play by the Rays. We still put on eight runs for Porcello. And just it was just good game for the Red Sox, terrible game for the Rays. Terrible. Yeah, so many wild pitches, so many errors. Nasty. They blew it. And at home, too. Kind of sucks for them to lose two home games. <laughs> but it's great for the they, Sox. They don't deserve to win at home. They have a crappy field. Yeah, that's true. They shouldn't. They shouldn't even play at home. No, play, play, out, home. play outside. Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. And Andrew Benintendi had three hits in that game, and uh, we'll get to him uh, in the rest of this recap here. Uh, it moves us into Friday's game after another Thursday off day. It was so few games, it was pretty weird. Uh, and this one, this one had it all, uh, and not in a good way. Uh, the Sox started off really good in this game. Hanley Ramirez clocked a two-run homer in the first inning off Jaime Garcia. It looked real good. And uh, Erod pitched dominantly. He gave up two hits, no runs, and six innings. He had seven strikeouts. I think it's the best he's looked since he's come off the DL. And uh, when he left the game, it was 3 to nothing because Andrew Benintendi hit his first of many home runs this weekend uh, to make it 3 to nothing. And it was all good going to the eighth. You know, just 3 to nothing score. Erod pitched really well. Uh, Matt Barnes pitched a clean seventh inning, and then into the eighth inning, as we uh, talked about with Trenny, Addison Reed came into the game, his first big Red Sox-Yankees game, and he gave up four runs in no innings. He did not get a single out, and he gave up four runs. A few of those were inherited from Joe Kelly. Kelly came in and just stunk up the rest of the game. Uh, quickly taking you through the inning, uh, Brett Gardner had hit by a pitch on the foot that was reviewed, and it showed that he did get hit on the toe. So that started off the inning. Aaron Hicks had a two-run homer, barely squeaked it out in right field. It was literally, he barely even hit the ball. It was 335 feet, pretty weak home run, but that made it 3-2. to two. Gary Sanchez had a single. He went to second on a wild pitch by Reed, and then Judge walked, and then that was it for Reed. So he came out. Kelly came in. Didi Gregorius hit an RBI single to tie the game off Kelly, Reed's run. And then Todd Frazier hit an RBI single off Kelly, Reed's run as well. That gave the Yankees a 4-3 to three lead. And then finally, the first out of the inning came when Chase Headley struck out all those batters later. And then Ellsbury got a single. Ronald Torres had a sack fly for a huge insurance run to make it 5-3. to three. And then that was it for the scoring. So the combination of Kelly and Reed were brutal, which is a real shame because in the ninth inning, my favorite guy, our oldest Chapman, and if you were in our Red Sox chat, which obviously Lauren is, <laughs> you know how much I hate this guy. I think he's garbage. He's a terrible human being, as we've also talked about in this show. And honestly... 
and I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this when I finish this game. I have never seen the guy pitch a good game. He is so wild. He's all over the place. I know he throws 103 miles per hour, but he just can't find the strike zone. And he's literally blown like every game I've watched him pitch in the last two years. And in this game, he walked Jackie Bradley Jr. to start it. Then he walked Eduardo Nunez. Then he walked Mookie Betts. And I think he threw, a, I don't know, a total of three strikes in those three batters. It was like it was like 12 balls and three strikes. Loaded the base with nobody out. And then Andrew Benintendi hits a sack fly to left field to make it 5-4. And Eduardo Nunez, for some odd reason, decided to take third on a ball to left field to Aaron Hicks, who has a good arm. And then Hicks threw a good ball. It was a nice pick by Todd Frazier. He got the tag down. Nunez was out. And all of a sudden, you go from first and second situation with one out in a one-run game to a man on second with two outs and down one and Mitch Moreland at the plate. He fly out to center. That was the ball game. If Nunez got to third, it would have been a tie game. If he just didn't go to third, they still would have had another out. So terrible decision there. Um, so talk to me, guys, about this terrible, blown game. And <laughs> is, has, has Chapman ever pitched well? Am I crazy? No, I don't think you are crazy. I think he pitched pretty well, you know, there's a reason why he has a reputation, right? Like, he pitched pretty well in Cincinnati, but no one ever saw it because it was Cincinnati. I guess he used to be good. Yeah, right. but then, you know, the whole – everything happened, and, you know, I think he pitched okay for Chicago, but I think the biggest issue was he was overused in Chicago. I think Joe Madden just ran him into the ground, and I don't blame Joe Madden for doing that because he knew he wasn't coming back, and he wanted a World Series, and he got, and he got what he needed, and there were all this Chapman didn't put up with Barely. <laughs> you know, I mean, he still did it, you know, so, look – I agree with you. I don't think he's pitched well in a while, um, and the Yankees need to do something about that. If they want to be successful, they're going to have to pull him out of that closer role, so see how that ends up going um, in the Yankees' bullpen. But look, this game shouldn't have even come down to that because Addison Reed is supposed to be this guy, and you don't know much about him, right, as a Red Sox fan. You don't watch many Mets games, but you know he's supposed to be that shutdown guy. Can't even get an out in the inning, and then Joe Kelly didn't help that cause at all. Uh, and then you go into the ninth, and Nunez comes in up here, makes a stupid error, and then says, you know, that's how we've been, we came in first place, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, you haven't been on this team long enough, so that's not obviously you saying that. But this team's philosophy is aggressive base running, aggressive base running. The ninth inning was a cause for concern because, you know, what if it, what if that was the playoffs? What if that was game seven and you said, oh, well, we're an aggressive team. We're going to run. Then you're screwed and you're out of the playoffs. So that's what worries me. Obviously, I don't mind them being aggressive, but they have like 15 more outs on the base pass than anybody else in the league just because they're an aggressive team. And you don't go to third in a ball to left field. No, that's stupid. common. That's not aggressive. That's stupid, stupid base running. Like That's that's baseball 101 right there. Look at that little league. And the field's like a half of a foot. Like, right. You don't run to the base that's in front of where you catch the ball. No, Especially yeah. when it's third. Yeah, yeah seriously. <laughs> Maybe so, if Johnny um, Damon is throwing the baseball, but that's about it. Like, <laughs> So, Lauren, how, how much does Chapman suck? God, he sucks so much. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great because... I was at the Yankees Red Sox series in July when they were here, and same thing. The Yankees came in, brought Chapman in, and they blew the game, and it was amazing because I can't remember if we won in the ninth or if it was the tenth or eleventh inning, but it was because Chapman blew the game, and it was great because it, it made it all the more better. I was with a Yankees fan, and it's like Chapman's supposed to be this great pitcher, and despite him being a crappy human being. He still throws 103 miles an hour. So you think when he goes in there, he's going to throw the heat. He's going to just come in there and just be dominant. And that's obviously not the case. And I wonder if it's a mix of, like, coming from the AL to the NL to the AL. And then maybe he's content. He got his World Series ring, and he's just kind of like, okay, whatever. But there's, then there's also – he throws 103 miles an hour almost all the time. He's got to be tired. His arm's got to be sore. And, you know, it's got to be hard to control your pitches – 
after a while. Or maybe the Red Sox is just in his head. Who knows? But it's, it, it's so good to see him struggle. I don't like the guy. But it's it's good to see him struggle, especially against the Red Sox, because he's this multi-millionaire closer, and he sucks, and I love it. But it's not I even think- just against the Red Sox, either. It's It's been almost all year. Yeah. I think, I think he's loses his confidence real quick. I think he gets rattled really easily. His body language kind of sucks in the mound. They were talking about that in the broadcast. Like he was like slumping around. He wasn't looking at Larry Rothschild in the eye. He's just like so down on himself. And he's wild as hell. He throws 103 and he's all over the place. I wouldn't trust the guy as my closer. I wouldn't want him to be my closer if I were them. I mean, Batances is wild too, but I'd probably take him over Chapman. I'd probably just make Robertson the closer again because I wouldn't trust, I wouldn't trust Chapman. So I'm glad it's not my problem. So let's move to Saturday. Um, oh, side note, that loss, that brutal loss on Friday snapped an eight-game winning streak, which was obviously great. And, I mean, your bullpen's bound to blow a game at some point. It's too bad it was Reed because he obviously you want him to come here and pitch well because that's why I brought him here. But, you know, eight-game winning streak and a 3 nothing lead in the eighth, it's, you know, you're bound to lose a game at some point. So that's when it happened. Brings us into Saturday and quite a bounce back day here for the Red Sox after after losing that game on Friday night. Uh, this one was a ten to five win, two five run innings, the third and the fifth inning in this game. It was awesome. And opposite of Friday night where the Sox got the two run homer in the first and lost, the Yankees got the two run homer, Gary Sanchez, in this game and then lost. Sanchez had a two run homer to right field off Pomeranz in the first inning lamest home run I've ever seen. It was literally like a foul ball. He thought it was a foul ball. He didn't realize it was a home run. And he's like, oh, it's gone? Oh, whoops. Okay, cool. I guess the run base is, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a pathetic home run. And that put them up 2 to nothing. Uh, but just like Friday, Sox came right back in the third off of Luis Severino, who was like supposed to be their best pitcher, and his ERA was in the twos. He was 9-4. and four, And he loaded the bases. Uh, Mookie Betts hit two RBI single to make it 2-2. Two to two, And then the next batter, Andrew Benintendi, hit a three-run homer that just cleared the wall in right field to make it 5-2. to two. Then the Yankees got one more run back in the fourth on an Ellsbury RBI ground out off Pomeranz, but then he shut them down the rest of the way, and then the offense was back at it in the fifth. Benintendi again hit another three-on homer. This one, way on. This wasn't even <laughs> close. Crushed, if, absolutely crushed. If his first home run was... <laughs> barely gone as it was the second one oh my god it was probably like 20 rows and it was awesome and it was a huge blow to the yankees because that was eight to three you know it's five to three they think they have a chance and then boom crushing your hopes and dreams. <laughs> eight to three two homers six rbi oh my god it's severino oh what a terrible line oh my god he came out after that and then giovanni gallegos came in and uh he gave up a two RBI double to guess who? Rafael Devers to make it ten to three. All those runs were Severino. He went four and a third innings, eight hits, ten runs, eight earned runs. He raises the ERA like point sixty. Like it's three thirty two <laughs> now. It's so oh, it's awful. So that was just. I mean, that was so satisfying for me. I'm like this guy. Well, is yeah, like he's their like the, he's their best pitcher all year. Yeah. He's been their best pitcher all year. Yeah, and we just rocked him left and right for his entire outing. It was awesome. Plus, it was great because he had. He retired the first seven batters in order. It was like he was going to have a great game, and then boom, see ya. Uh, the Yankees got two runs in the ninth inning off Robbie Scott. Batch back homers for Chase Headley, Jacoby Ellsbury. 10-5 to final. Uh, Pomerantz again. 
Six and two-thirds, seven hits, three runs, two walks, five Ks. You can talk about Benintendi and Devers all you want, and we will, and we do. But Pomeranz is 12-4 and four with a 330 90 He He's literally a top-ten pitcher in the league. No, Maybe that's, more. And that's I mean, all you need. You don't even need that much from him. Like, I didn't expect this, and ERA's fine. The record's there because he seems to be getting run support, unlike Rick Porcello. But, look, it's one of those things where, you know, they really won this game 10-3 to three in my eyes. The couple runs were in the ninth inning when it didn't really matter. But... Drew Pomerantz has is, is been phenomenal. And look, I've been one to question him. I'm still not 100% sure I want to see him do it in the playoffs now. That's his next step. But everything that we've seen points to, okay, he's more reliable than David Price. He's more reliable than some of the other, like Rick Porcello right now. I'd rather throw Drew Pomerantz than Rick Porcello. It's it's crazy how well he's established himself. And this is clearly what Dombrowski saw when he traded away for him, um, when he traded Devers for him. Um, not Devers, excuse me. Espinosa. Espinosa, thank you. I got uh, Devers on my mind, but look, <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but look, Dabrowski clearly saw something in him that we all didn't. And there's a reason why he was an all-star last year. And maybe it was just the injury that he was going through. Yeah. I, I, picked, I picked him to be a player to watch for. I feel pretty smart. Yeah. So smart. He's definitely underrated this year for sure. And I think he's also overshadowed because we have Chris sale and Porcello's having a really crap year. And then we have Kimbrell who's just shutting it down. And then, you know, Benintendi and Devers and even Nunez coming in here and just kind of overshadowing what Pomeranz has done. And that's not to take away anything that he has done. It's just there's more to talk about than, you know, our pitcher being 12 and 4. And it's, you know, really somebody who I would, would not expect. He's got 12 wins. I think that's the most in his career. Which is, it is. So he's having a career year. And that's amazing that he's doing it here. So obviously he's comfortable here. He trusts the catcher. He trusts his teammates. And he's just kind of really found his groove. And, like I said, this is exactly what Dombrowski saw in him. So he's really surprised me this year. I've had a lot of fun watching him, and it's not that bad feeling when he goes on the mound, and I'm like, oh, no, not Pomeranz. Like, I think <laughs> seen, I've seen him four or five times this season pitch at Fenway, and every time I'm like, woo, Pomeranz. It's not like, ugh, Pomeranz. Yeah, he's been great. I mean, sales 14-4, and four, Pomeranz is 12-4. and four. I mean, What do you want <laughs> from the guy? Right it's, there. It's great. He's been so consistent. I mean, that was the funny thing. I like, I like cringe when Trenny said that like your playoff rotation Chris Sale David Price I was like David Price give me Drew Pomerantz <laughs> ten times. I was like I don't want David Price anywhere near the mound like give me the hot guy that's Pomerantz he's been it, I, I cringed when he was like oh our starters haven't won a game in the playoffs like ugh well yeah in fairness Chris Sale hasn't gotten an opportunity because he played for the White Sox so and Pomerantz doesn't either yes that so, is true so in fairness guys. little asterisk and so like started pitching in the postseason last year so really it's just David Price but um. Yeah, Pomeranz has been super consistent. I mean, he's coming into his peak here. I mean, he got his career high in wins last year with 11 with the combination of San Diego and here. And obviously, he didn't pitch well when he got here because you know, obviously he was hurt. Now he comes here, he gets a career high in wins with 12, and it's only the middle of August. He could get like 15, 16, 17 wins, maybe even 18. And I mean, he's been so consistent. He's I mean, peacocking. It, you, yeah, you got you to gotta throw him out in the playoffs. It's like... <laughs> This, this, this is your one of your best pitchers. You got to pitch him. So, got to have confidence in the guy. He's he's proven it. So Benintendi six RBI, two home runs, awesome, fantastic. Benintendi endeavors are like the best players in the league. So that brings us to uh, Sunday, which we'll continue talking about the best players in the league. Um, this one was huge, and we discussed it a lot with Trenny. Um, Chris Sale pitched against Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery was really good in his five and third innings. He only gave up two hits and one run. Sale was better. 
Seven innings, four hits, one run, two walks, 12 strikeouts. He's up to 241. The guy's unbelievable. We can talk about it all day long, and we do, and we will. And uh, we've, this brought us into the uh, the late innings here with not much scoring because nobody could score. It was uh, one to one in the eighth inning, and Todd Frazier had a sack fly off of Matt Barnes, as we talked about. Sale went seven. Barnes came in and really couldn't throw any strikes. He was all over the place, left him in too long, gave up the lead. And then, uh, fortunately for the Sox, Chapman came in, our favorite guy. Good old role as Chapman. And Rafael Devers cranked a solo home run, tied the game in the bottom of the eighth. And then, uh, sorry, bottom top of the ninth, excuse me. And then Andrew Benintendi won it in the tenth with an RBI single. So, just like we've been saying, Devers ties it, Benintendi wins it. Unbelievable week for both of them. Uh, and a huge 3-2 to two win. Kimbrell closed it out in the ninth, in- ninth inning, in the tenth inning. Um to give a nice four and one week here and two more wins after the eight game to give you a, to give the Sox uh, 10 out of 11 wins in a row. So, I mean, this game had it all. It was close, tightly contested game, Sunday night baseball, nine hits total, Chris sale. Uh, and I mean, these are the games you want to win on the road, especially Jared didn't have the confidence. He said losing two out of three and uh, could have happened, but not, not very easily could have happened. Very easily <laughs> yeah. could have happened. Look, we uh, we talked about Devers with Trenny. That home run was phenomenal. But look at Ben. I want to talk about Benintendi for a second because, you know, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, this kid was not playing. This kid was struggling at the plate. Uh, everyone was talking about what's going on with him, like blah, blah, blah. He clearly showed us why he's up here and why they've been banking on him because he had the poise to get down there. Him and Chili Davis fixed something, got his confidence back. and now His he's, confidence through the roof. Yeah, and now he's raking. He's winning games in the extra innings at Yankee Stadium. Like, he's hitting ding-dongs left and right. Like, Look, this guy clearly wasn't hitting right. And, and look, even Devers. Devers had a little bit of a, a lull there as well um, for like a couple games, but he wasn't hitting great yeah. for a couple games, and he clearly quickly figured it out, has the poise. Amen to their scouting team and, and all their drafting because they saw something in all these young kids, and they're producing now. And look, we all thought Xander Bogarts was going to be the phenom, and he's not even close to it now, So, which I hate. But look, these kids are easy to rely on, and these, <laughs> these kids are going to be super important. If you're going to do anything this postseason, it's going to be Ben Attendee, Devers, and these are younger kids because that's who's winning you these games right now. It's great. They're so much fun to watch, especially Devers. And I know, especially me, I had a lot of concerns calling him up so soon. But he's obviously proving that he's got the confidence and he can do it, just like Ben Attendee did. I mean, I had concerns when they called Ben Attendee up so fast. And obviously, I mean, look at the kid now. He's great. He's, And I think a lot of it's coming from... You know, Jeff, I know we talked about it in the chat sometimes, it's him not playing every day. He needs that, that rush right now because he's going to get worn out and he's going to get, you know, if we rely on him so much, it's like, okay, let's not put too much pressure on this kid. He's only 23. And it's just, but he's so much fun to watch. That now when he comes to the plate, it's like he has these big moments and he's really just making a name for himself here. And I don't know if you guys follow Brock Holt on, on Instagram, but... Every night when they get, get on the plane, he uh, does the Instagram story of Ben and sleeping, and the kid is just absolutely not. <laughs> he's getting plenty of sleep. He's obviously doing <laughs> something right in his diet. His workouts are insane. So he's doing everything right. And obviously, like I said, he's getting enough sleep. Thanks, thanks to Brock Cole. I wouldn't know that. But it's just, like I said, this kid's been so much fun to watch. And there, there's a reason that he's just, he's just so good. And there's a reason they brought him up so soon. And same with Devers. That home run didn't even look like it was out of the park. I think he had the ESPN broadcast fooled. And it was just, 
it barely made it out of the park. It's like right into the yeah the bullpen there. So, but I mean, I just loved the, his Devers reaction. So you can tell how pumped up he was and how excited he was for it because that home run's huge. That's what people are going to be talking about for years to come. Like just his first few games in the major leagues, he's hitting home runs against Aroldis Chapman. And these guys are both. Yankee killers. They're killing the Yankees. Yeah. What's better than that? <laughs> nothing better than that. Little Yankee killers coming at you. Yeah, and young Yankee killers. I love it. Uh, and then let's briefly go over uh, the Indians game tonight because we're not even going to predict it because it was part of a series from two weeks ago that we <laughs> predicted and the game is already over, so there's really no point in predicting it. Uh, Sox lost tonight 7-3 to in a makeup game to Cleveland. Doug Fister pitched against Trevor Bauer. Uh, Rafael Devers hit two more home runs tonight, which is insane, but unfortunately that's about all the Sox got. Um, besides another Andy Benintendi home run, yeah, so the same guys. They, they came to play. <laughs> they came the to play. The same guys did it, yeah. They've been doing it for a while here. Uh, nobody else did, and uh, Fister gave up a couple couple home runs to Edwin Arcanacion, um, and Lindor had a two-RBI hit, and uh, it's just too much offense for the Indians. So tough loss there, but as we talked about, the Sox had won uh, 10 of 11, so... Hard to complain too much about losing the occasional game. Still 67-51. and 51. Uh, And for MVPs, I mean, if you throw in tonight's game as well, it's real close with Devers, obviously, but you got to give it to Benintendi for this week because he was out of his mind. Uh, he hit four home runs, he had 10 RBI, and he had four multiple-hit games in this short week. He had 2-3-2-2 two, two, two in the... Uh, two games against the Rays and the first two against the Yankees. So, I mean, that's insane. Four home runs, ten RBI. <laughs> and wasn't his um his two, three home run game, wasn't that like the, the youngest Red Sox player to ever do that, like under the age of 23 or at the age of 23? There was some crazy stat connected to that. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> You've got something, it somewhere. I, it, was something, it was something like some crazy stat that I saw. I saw it quickly. I think I retweeted it and I was like, that's insane. Of course, that was a couple days ago, so now it's, it's out of my mind, but right. I'm good. And then Devers also making history with, like, multi-home multi, multi home run games as well at, at his young age. Um, I mean, you got you to gotta give, like, co- uh, MVP two to him because with, with with tonight counted, he hit three home runs, uh, five RBI, obviously the tying home run against, against the Yankees. So, and, I mean, he's hit six home runs, and he's only played – he's only played uh, – however many games he's played. He's at 62 at-bats, and he has six home runs, which is insane. He just got called up July 24th. So yeah, pretty wild for both of them. Yep. They're carrying the team along with Nunez, who just gets like three hits every game. So love it from the young guys. Great week, and uh, can't wait to see more. Yeah, seriously. Um, recap from Jess, obviously a good week. These kids are going to be phenomenal. Look, they're, they're a key reason why you're winning. They're a key, re- key reason why they've been playing so well. And case in point, they lose 7-3, to three, and the only three runs are from three home runs from those guys. So uh, I think you're going to see that moving forward. But one thing that, you know, before we do the predictions and get out of here, that really intrigues me is the Red Sox-Yankees series as a whole. Because there was some angst in this series, and people were looking forward to watching it. And... Um, Guys, I don't know if it's 100% back, but you got to think these young kids between both rosters are making this Red Sox-Yankees thing fun to watch again. Oh, it's so much fun. And it's, I mean, I don't think it has the angst it did in, you know, 03, 04, that kind of, that era. But, I mean, it's it's fun. There's Aaron Judge to look out for, Gary Sanchez. And, you know, even they have big names like Chapman on there. 
and Todd Frazier. They have just name after name that you, that you can just have fun watching. Even if you're not a Yankees or Red Sox fan, we both have players who are absolutely fun to watch, and they're going to be fun to watch for years to come. And what makes this rivalry kind of not, not so much like 100% back, but they're in first and second place, and it's going to be a battle until the end unless somehow the Red Sox can absolutely run away with first place in the last month, in the last month and a half. So it's just been it's been so much fun, and I, these games make it make it more fun when both teams are in the race because if the Yankees were in last place, it wouldn't really matter. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be it wouldn't have that same feel like going to Fenway and watching the Red Sox Yankees. It's there's so much more like animosity towards the fans, and there's so much there's just so much more fun the Red Sox fans are having. And even just watching the games, I feel like, you know, in our in our chat here with Jess, it's I just feel like there's so much there's so much fun going on just between this our between all of us just talking and just having fun with it. So it's definitely fun and it's it's good that that's back because it's good for baseball because it was ESPN had the highest rating of a non playoff baseball game in, in years. Yeah, that's right. That tells you something. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's 2003, 2004, because that had a lot of history, a lot of years, and a lot of uh, Yankee hate here in Boston with, with what had happened over the last, you know, billion of years. But, um, I mean, yeah, this is great. You got young players battling out. You got, I mean, as long as both teams are in first and second place, that's that's what really does it. Because that's yep. when people get excited. They start counting the standings. They start doing the how many games back, who's in the wild card, blah, blah, blah. Yep. That's when it's good. And, and they, the two teams haven't been good in the same season in so long because the Red Sox have had several last-place seasons. The Yankees have been pretty average for a couple of years, and then they both won championships as well in the last you know seven, eight years. But I think it's great to have the young players and to have to have the uh, first and second place. And I, do, I don't think it's going to be close in September. I think the Sox are going to run away with it to a certain degree maybe six or seven games, kind of around where we're at. So We should be more but, concerned mean, with Houston than the Yankees, I think, come September. Yeah, you should. I agree. But it's fun to have the Yankees be in second, and it's fun to have young players. And, I mean, that was a great series. It was a really fun series to watch. Yeah, and I, I agree with you guys. I think, you know, up and down the last couple of years, one team has been bad, the other team has been good. Um, so I think now they're finally both kind of young and good. It's, I think it's going to be something sustainable to watch, and the rest of the division isn't good consistently. Uh, I don't know what happened with Toronto this year, but... That being said, you know, um, it's back, I think, in a, in a small way. I don't think it's 100% back. It never will be what it was, but it, it's kind of there in its own new way, which is great. Hopefully get more people watching the game, for sure. Um, one other thing, um, before we get to predictions, uh, a lot happened this week. But I won because we mentioned it with Trenny. Um, Pablo Sandoval did come out with the Players' Tribune, right, that article he wrote. Um, and he just wrote about how it wasn't the city or the teammates or anything like that. He just didn't feel like at home, whatever it was. Um, just your guys' thoughts on it, because I think it's a lot of crap. I think it's just him catering to what people want to hear. Um, he's saying how, you know, he loves the Giants, blah, blah, blah. Just initial reactions when you guys were reading through this, because I was laughing through half of it when I read it. Uh, I rolled my eyes a lot, but I understand that he loves San Francisco. I absolutely, 100%. Believe that because that's you know that's where he came from. That's where he's been. They gave him three championships, and he was comfortable there. I totally understand that. But don't come out and say like, "Oh, Boston didn't feel like home," but it wasn't because of anything like any of those factors. Like then, then what was it? Like you, you admitted you got complacent here. You got your money, and you failed us. That's that's all it comes down to. And I, I do think it was, you know, fans. I do think it was media. I don't really think it's so much like the city, but. I, you know, it, it takes a tough person to play here, and he obviously wasn't tough enough. And I, I just think, you know, 
a load of BS. I think he just said that <laughs> what, he, what, he, what he wanted everyone to hear and kind of made him look good. But, I mean, I just, I don't see it being 100% truthful other than he likes San Francisco and he's happy to be back. Because I 100% believe that and he's obviously doing not so bad there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on it because, first of all, before I read it, I already saw a bunch of people crapping on him before I even opened up the article. So I kind of like had that in my mind already. Like, oh, people think he's full of crap, so let me go into it thinking that. I would have rather gone into it with a clean slate, but it yeah. didn't happen. So I kind of got swayed that way. Um, I kind of agree with Trenny in terms of like the sympathy because, obviously, it is hard to play here. And like she said, he didn't go off on like – tirades like david price and carl crawford who still complains about boston to this day um so yeah, I don't he hasn't he hasn't gotten over it <laughs> no he's he's so sensitive my god <laughs> see you crawford um but so in terms of that i feel a little bad for him but i also yeah part of this like reading it i just feel like it's he's trying too hard i uh, i think he did he did a terrible thing with saying what he said leaving san francisco because he you know, closed all the doors that he clearly wanted to be open. It's like, I don't think he thinks what he says very much, because he just seems to say whatever he wants, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I mean, nah, I didn't mean that. Uh, this didn't work out too well. Uh, can I come back, guys? Uh, I hate Boston. Uh, I don't know. Like, think about what you're doing, dude. If you want to go back there, if you love San Francisco so much, then don't crap on everybody except one player when you leave. Why would Seriously. you do that? You, you can't, you gotta think about what you're doing in the future. And it's only, It was only three years ago. So, I think that was stupid. Uh, it's discouraging to me to see him say that he, like, never felt comfortable here ever. I mean, yeah, no crap. We saw that he never felt comfortable here. But just to see that in writing and for him to say that he always, his heart was always in San Francisco, it's like, you chose to come here, so why did you come here and suck so much? Yeah. You didn't even want to be here. Like, you should have stayed in San Francisco. It's just like, I mean, great. I'm glad he admitted it and stuff. But it's like, just... It's just, I don't know, it's discouraging. What a waste. What a waste that's, of time. That's what John Farrell said. John Farrell said he made the choice to come here. Like, it was, yeah, it was his choice. Right. He didn't have to. He signed here. We didn't trade for him. He signed. So that's part of a lot of the reason why I don't feel bad. Like, you made the decision to play here. You knew that you were going to sign this contract five years. There's your commitment right there, five years. So, I mean, it, it sucks to see. It does, sucks to see in writing, but at the same time, it, it was his choice. And it's not like there haven't been horror stories about this city and players not working here before. And he knew how soft yeah. he was. He knew how much of a baby he is. Like, he knew all this coming in. He knows who he, his personality. So, there's no... I, don't, I, I, I agree. I kind of understand why Trini said what she said about feeling bad, pity the whole thing. But at the same time, I don't feel bad for him because... Like you said, Lauren, he signed here. He knew what he was getting himself into. Five years in Boston is a huge commitment. When you see horror stories like Crawford and all these other guys who don't work here, David Price in the midst of it, like it's just the way it works out. If you don't think, if you're soft, don't even think about coming here because it's not going to work. And you knew he was going to com- get complacent too. He just won his third World Series. Like that's plenty of World Series. I'm sure he's thinking like and he a lot a of World paycheck. Series. <laughs> here's your money. Yeah, he's like, oh, here's here's some money. You've already won three World Series. What do you think's going to happen? I mean, come right. on, it was so predictable. So predictable. So stupid. Market and, sign right there. Market <laughs> sign. Uh, is awful. But okay, so show's about to be over here. So let's um let's get to the predictions. A lot happened this week, but a lot coming up this week too. You got two against St. Louis, um, who have been playing really well. They're they're right on the Cubs' heels, and and they've been playing phenomenal as of late. And then you have to go back uh, and play the Yankees again this time at home. Again, another weekend series. So, uh, Jess, let's start with you because you didn't get to do any of this last week. So let's start with you and have some prediction fun. Uh, those two games against St. Louis, what's going to happen? Yeah, St. Louis is playing really well. They just jumped the Brewers in the Central. They're up to second place, and they're right in the Cubs' heels. So they're playing pretty well. Um, and I, 
I, I don't like two game series in terms of sweeping them. I know I know that we just swept the race. That did happen. But I think most two game series is most of the time they're one to one splits and I just don't see this one being different. I think St. Louis is playing well, so I have the Sox going one and one in those two games. Yeah, um I mean I I think they're gonna sweep the sweep the Cardinals. I know the Cardinals are playing well, but so have the Red Sox. And I don't like two game series either. I absolutely hate them, but we just swept the Rays. And I just feel like the Red Sox, they're just playing so well right now. Whatever, there's something working well with this lineup. And I think they have the advantage with the National League coming into Fenway. And I just, I don't, I really just don't see them losing losing one to the Cards. I just, I just don't, regardless of, of how well they've been playing. I think the Red Sox have been playing better. Yeah, and I think, you know, you have Porcello and Rodriguez going in this series and uh, I think Porcell's been pitching better as of late. We just saw it this week. He's starting to get run support again. So, you know, I think you're going to win both games as well. I agree with Lauren. I think, you know, those two-game series, the way you're playing right now, um, I, I think it's just it's just simple enough to take my gut feeling because I usually see him right when the gut happens, but I usually ignore my gut. But um, I'm going to pick Sweep just because, like you said, you have the advantage. You don't have to worry about the pitcher. Yeah, they can get an extra hitter, but at the same time, um, you have a team who's used to playing in this ballpark who's been playing really well. Um, and coming off of a series like you did the Yankees, even though you lost tonight, you still have that momentum because you've been playing really well. So I think you sweep the St. Louis Cardinals at home, and then you go to, you have the Yankees come in again because you see them every single day almost for the next like month. Um, and you have three games against the Yankees. I have them losing two out of three. I said this last week, and it was wrong. Hopefully it's wrong again. But um, I have them losing two out of three against the Yanks this time around at Fenway Park. Um, I just think that, you know, the Yankees aren't a bad team, guys. Uh, yeah, their bullpen's... Uh, I mean, not regular bullpen, but Chapman's in shambles. Uh, but at the same time, I think they have a good enough roster to come in here. And despite winning two out of three, they still have had your number most of this year. So um, I'm riding the odds on this one and having them lose two out of three for a three and two week. Yeah, I have a three and two week as well, which means I have them winning two out of three against the Yankees. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I The way I see it is that, you know, with the lead that the Sox have, I think they're just two out of three better than the Yankees. I just feel like they're a two and one team against the Yankees. I feel like a sweep's a little bit too much in terms because the Yankees are obviously are a good team, like you said, Jared. Mm-hmm. But I think you won two out of three on the road. I think you're going to win two out of three at home as well. And if you split with St. Louis, like I said, then I definitely think you're winning two out of three against the Yankees. Push them further down. Just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. <laughs> knock them out. Keep, keep, keep knocking them into the quicksand. That's what that's what it's all about. Yep, that's absolutely what it is all about. I have them going 4-1 and one this week, so they are winning 2 out of 3 from the Yankees, just like they did over this past weekend. Um, Chris Sales on the mound, one of those games, so, you know, they, they got to win that one. Oh, yeah. And I just, mm. I don't see them, I don't see the Yankees coming into Fenway and taking more than one of these games, I think. I know the Yankees are a good team, but you just, I just think the Red Sox are better. Like I said, against, with the Cardinals, even though they're playing well, the Red Sox are playing better. The Yankees are a good team, the Red Sox are better. And there's just something that's, like I said, there's something clicking. That's, there's something going completely right for the Red Sox right now. And they're just going to ride this into the series. They know that these series, especially against ALE teams, especially against the Yankees, are absolutely huge. And we're going into September now. We're getting closer and closer to September. So they know that these games are more and more important, especially there's a huge difference over the weekend between five and a half and three and a half. So now they just need to build that lead especially with the Yankees coming in. They need to build it, and they need, need to maintain it. And then when the Yankees come in here, they need to start running away with it. And that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, they see the Yankees enough the next month that 
they have that opportunity, right, to bring him down and, like Jeff said, put him in the quicksand and keep him in the quicksand. Then, look, I, 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 I want to be wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I definitely want to see them at least win two out of three, hopefully sweep them. That would be ideal. But um, You'll be wrong. I, I, probably, okay. I, usually, I usually am wrong, so it's fine. Um, but, look, that being said, a lot going on. Um, they're the predictions. Jess has them going three and two in a different way than I have them going three and two. Lauren, uber positive four and one. Um, hopefully, well, plus at, at a loss to all those. At a loss to all those. Yeah, at a loss to all those. If you count tonight's game, um, which is very unfortunate. But that being said, a lot to look forward to as Red Sox fans, right? You got Devers, you got Benintendi, uh, smoking the crap out of the ball. Nunez still playing well. Teams coming back. You got Carson Smith to potentially look forward to. Um, but you know, Trenny did say. We'll believe it when we see it. Like, I, I agree yeah. with her. Yeah, I'll see him on the mound, and then I'll believe that he's coming back. But could be a nice addition, you know, if he comes back yeah, into this bullpen that can have struggles. It's nice to have another guy to push Matt Barnes and all these guys even further back into the game um, because it's far away. Let's keep Matt Barnes as far away from the eighth inning as possible on the road. That would be fantastic. I don't know what it is, but he cannot pitch away from Fenway Park. But at home. Pitch him every day. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. He can start at home the way he's pitching at home. is like 125 <laughs> at home. So seriously. Like, pitch him all you want. Um, we'll leave it at that. Hopefully Matt Barnes plays well this week because he's at home. So uh, big shout again to Trenny Kuznarek, Comcast Sportsnet, WEI, early edition, of course. Check out her show with Felger and uh, Gary Tangway. Don't know how she does it, but she does it every day. Uh, so check it out. Obviously, we love having her on the show. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, Red Sox beat podcast. Uh, CLNS Media, same difference at CLNS Media. Facebook, same thing. Uh, don't forget the iOS or Android app for CLNS Media as well to get all the network shows besides ours, even though we're on there. So don't forget to listen to us there. Uh, YouTube. YouTube. YouTube video. video. You see us now. Subscribe to the YouTube channel for CLNS Media. Don't forget to subscribe to the iTunes channel for our show as well so you can get us downloaded directly every time we hit the submit button on one of these shows every Monday night. So uh, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, one final shout-out to Trenny for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week talking Red Sox baseball, hopefully an undefeated week. Talk then. <laughs>